Earlier this week, I sat with our little dog. His name was Benji as he was dying. He was, had become my wife's dog. He adored her. We originally adopted him from the last chance, a last chance event. All the dog shelters in Western Washington came together on one day. Hundreds of dogs, last chance that we euthanized Monday were they not adopted. And we adopted Benji. And so I sat with him as he died. This was on the same day that I learned that two dear friends of ours had lost their adult son. And God showed me something in that. Something remarkable. And I want to share that with you today. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America... Here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. All week, we've been expressing gratitude to our friends at SodaSOTAWeightLoss.com. Dropping unwanted fat from your body doesn't need to be painful. And it doesn't need to be something that you pain over. They're healthcare providers from way back and they will run you through this, walk you through it or sprint you through it, depending on what needs to happen. It's sodaweightloss.com. It's always um, interesting to look back at the radio days. Folks who've been with the show a long time, I remember a segment we used to wrap up every show with called On a Personal Note. And we haven't been able to play the Bob Seger music on a regular basis or at all, um, unless it's in a music review. But it was Main Street by Bob Seger. You know, an open first, uh, see, like eight bars of that. And then I would say on a personal note today, I was at the gym when I learned that two dear friends of ours had lost their son, their adult son. And it was sort of in an awkward way. I have a, a coach in common with one of my dear friends. And she had referenced, oh, I'm concerned. And I said, what? And she's a woman, a godly woman of honor. And so she said, oh, I, I can't say anything. I'm, I shouldn't have said anything. I thought you knew. And I ran over and checked my text messages. And I realized that a message I saw and believed to be about one thing was about another. And it was that he and his wife had lost their adult son. Um, it's a shock. It's unnatural to lose a child to death. And in this case, I don't know if it was a surprise because sadly he had dealt with the demons of drug abuse uh, most of his life. And um, they are brilliant and loving and wonderful and, and giving and philanthropic. And, and they did everything, everything for this boy, this man. And towards the end of his life, he became very serious about following the Lord. And he did his very, very best. He got a Bible. He read it. I, I met him once and he told me that he was interested in being baptized again. 
And the Lord had called him. And the Lord, in fact, extended his life. And that's their story to tell and not mine, but it is an amazing story of how the Lord Jesus came to him and extended his life so he could keep that covenant with the parents uh, to welcome in home. He was troubled and he knew the Lord. And so I believe he is with the Lord and sleeps now in, in comforted in bed. And the addiction is gone. And it is the Lord's decision as to when to call us. I left the gym. Uh, Coach and I, because we have this mutual friend in common, we said a prayer together. And then I left the gym and I looked at my phone. And it was a note from my wife. Uh, She said, the vet says Benji's heart and lungs are very swollen. They're not optimistic. They gave him medicine and thinks he might recover, but it looks grim. And of course I responded and said, oh, dear Lord. Benji was a white little guy, part Corgi, part something else. And we adopted him on a, I want to say it was a spring day, spring or summer. It was in um, the East Lake portion of Washington State. That's east of, of Seattle. It was in the parking lot of um, kind of a great big, huge strip mall. There was a Petco there. I think they sponsored this. And there were a couple hundred dogs. And dog shelters from all around Washington State had gathered uh, for this last chance day. So these, these animals were on their last chance uh, adoption or euthanasia. And as my wife tells the story and, and, and it was she, you know, my wife and my daughter who, who spotted Benji, all the other dogs were manic and, and obviously they're, they're caged. It's hot. They want out that there's people that want to play. Um, they want to be, I don't know that they want to be adopted, but they want to play. But Benji, Benji laid down and he had his, his head resting on his paws and he sort of had the look of, well, this is it. And we learned later that as far as they could put back together with their understanding of his history, that he'd probably had five or six quote homes. And the last time he'd been found, um, I, my recollection, it was a retired couple. They were in their RV and, and he was just making a mess of things. So they gave him away. And my wife said, that one. And my wife and daughter ran over there and got there just before someone else. And we took him home. And he was the first dog that my daughter ever had. We had cats. That was interesting. Um, It worked out. They were fine. And the first dog my daughter had, consequently, the first pictures we ever had with our daughter and someone younger than her, we were not blessed with multiple children. We are blessed with one. And so the pictures we had for Easter and 
and Christmas for a few years was our daughter and uh, the dog, Benji. Um, my daughter, she was okay with the fake Santa. She, she was freaked out by the Easter bunny and wisely. So was Benji, a great big bunny. That's freaky. So he grew with us as a family and it became clear that he understood, man, this, this really is, this is my home. This, this is forever. It's a house and it's not moving. It's not on wheels. And he made one mistake one time. He bit a little girl. He was frightened. It was a new home. Uh, she was petting him and she thought, he thought it was our daughter. Then when he turned around, it wasn't our daughter. He got scared. He snipped. He bit her. I disciplined him. The only time I ever really had to discipline him ever. He'd make mistakes like other dogs and he had this funny habit. <laughs> you know, you test a dog. If you've got multiple dogs and one of the dogs has made a mistake, a biological mistake, um, you test him because you, you, you bring them both into the room. <laughs> Our bigger dog, also a white dog, uh, parts probably poodle and golden retriever. Um, when she, if she's made the mistake, she forgets. She'll walk into the room and tail wagging and tongue flopping until I say, what's this? And then she she gets what we, well, it's a terrible phrase, but we say Asian eyes. She just, her eyes get squinty and she kind of smiles and squints her eyes and wags her tail sheepishly. And mm. Benji, on the other hand, if I would call him into the room, Benji, come, he would come around the corner. And if I was standing near the mistake, <laughs> he sunk, he would sink his head. And he would, he would shake it back and forth like, I am such an idiot. I'm so stupid. And then he would turn around and he would walk away. It was a complete tell. Because you know what his favorite words were? Good dog. He loved to hear good dog. I would forget myself sometimes when we went on walks because man, he loved to sniff. He's very low to the ground. So I'm sure that it was very tempting to sniff everything. And he would walk, sometimes he'd be so far behind me and the big dog so far ahead of me. So I'm all spread out and I'd be frustrated with him. Benji, come on, Benji, come on. And then I would remember myself and I would say this phrase, good dogs walk. And that changed. He'd catch up. Look at Benji so good. Benji walks. And he would put his head up a little bit. He'd put his head up like, yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm killing it. And sometimes our, our, our bigger dog would look back at him like, how come you're getting all that attention? So I would have to say, Luna's a good dog too. So when I got that note, I knew that my wife would want to be there when he died. But I also knew that she needed to take our daughter to something very important for the both of them. And so that was going to be on me. Now, I'd hoped that my wife would make it home. Now, our friends who lost their son, they spent years not knowing where he was. And from time to time, he would surface, make a phone call. Often he was coherent, often he wasn't. When the demons had taken over, he believed the world was out to get him. Everyone was intending to kill him. He could cause a mess of things. And yet, of course, it's their boy. 
And so when he was cogent, they could have great talks. But when he was not, it was like it was not even there. So they had to wonder all their life. Adult lives. Where is he today? We never, like Benji never had that wonder. They'll always come home. Those people will always come home. (laughs) I can remember the first time that we had to put him in an extended shelter. Um, This was when things had gotten really bad, really hard with the family and our, our trip through adolescent mental health and family mental health, broken kid, broken family. And we put him in a shelter for, gosh, it was probably five days. And it was a nice shelter. It was in a home and they did a fantastic job. They would send us pictures uh, multiple times a day. Here he is having breakfast and here we are playing with him. They, they really love dogs. They do a fantastic job. But I went to pick him up. My wife wasn't able to go and it pulled up and, and he heard my car and I could hear him inside. And, and our bigger dog howls, he, he tried his very best to howl and he could kind of do it, but it would always turn into a bark. Our bigger dog howls. She sings like a wolf. And it was before I got out of the car. And so I got there and I asked her, how long has that sound been going on? She goes, oh, since you turned the corner down there, he heard your, he heard your car. It was a Lexus, like not a loud car. And when I brought him home, well, first of all, when he got into the car, my wife wasn't there. He was a little disappointed. But when he got into the car and we got home, he ran straight up and his world was complete. And he always knew that my wife loved him and that she was the one who was going to take care of him. He knew that in his dying moments and he died knowing she'll come back. He knows it. Absolutely. My, my wife is heartbroken that she wasn't there. He knew she'd come back and she did. It was really interesting, the comparison between how we responded. So I was trying to finish up the cast podcast and this week has been really, really brutally scheduled. So I was trying to finish up the podcast and I had to run in and out of the studio and I would check on Benji. And, you know, if you've been with a dog when they're dying, they get to this stage where they're looking for some place where it doesn't hurt. So moving from the front room to the guest room, to the studio, to the, one of the back bedrooms, and he just kept moving and I would sit with him and I was praying, Lord Jesus, take this little dog. He's, he's, he's struggling. And stupidly, I'm talking to the dog saying, it's going to be different, but you're going to be okay. It's going to be different, but you'll be okay. I was telling him, sleep, it's okay. Sleep, buddy. And his white fur, his his brown eyes looking at me like, is this going to get better? And from time to time, he would try to roll on his back and have me rub his tummy because that's what brought comfort. But with a swollen heart and swollen lungs, that wasn't comfortable. And then I would have to pop back in and and finish work on the podcast. And I'd come back out and I could hear his shallow breathing. So I would locate him and go be with him. I was thinking about 
at that very time I was thinking about our friend's son always knew where they were. Right? They made it clear. We're not leaving son. We're here. We'll always be here. You can come home anytime. And, and he couldn't, he visited, but he never had to wonder where are my parents? They were in the same place. Will they take my call every time, every single time? Will they have me back anytime? Do they love me always? You know, I'm an addict. I live in the streets. Do my parents love me? Yes. Do they tell me God loves me? Yes. Our little dog never had to wonder. You know, at the time when things got really hard and kids who have been through what our daughter's been through, and that's her story to tell, not mine. Sometimes they become emotionally dysregulated and things get loud and scary. And sometimes Benji would have to run and, and get under a bed but he always came out. He always forgave. And our daughter always, always put great effort into apologizing to the dogs. I'm sorry. Funny thing. They both knew and grew to see when our daughter, when she was struggling, was becoming dysregulated. They would go to her. They would go to her. They would walk over to her. I'm here. It's funny how that happens. And then when our friend's son would become either chemically or demonically dysregulated and he would call, they were there. They would go to him. So when I had finished Yesterday's five-minute focus, which usually I do first. Yesterday, I wrapped up the end. I went into the bedroom, back bedroom, and Benji had inserted himself under the, under the bed. He had found the hole in which to die. That's a real thing with animals. And the best I could do was put my hand on his side and say, good dog. You're a good dog. Benji's good. There was a point where I had to go to the restroom and I did and I came back and it wasn't a yelp. It was like a little scream. Ah! And I ran into the bedroom and our big dog ran to him and she was nudging him and I, I moved her away. I just, Maybe I shouldn't have. And there was blood that came out of his mouth and his nose. And I conjectured that he had a heart attack. And then his breathing was really irregular, very shallow. And again, I just said, Benji's a good dog. And my wife is pained because she wasn't there except she was. He was on a blanket she gave him next to the pad she gave him. Wearing a collar she gave him. 
under the side of the bed in which she will lay to do her reading and, and work as a tutor right there because he knew she'd come back. And she did. She did come back. When my daughter came into the room, I wasn't as um, thoughtful as I think I could have been. I was really upset, really sad that he was gone. And she looked me in the eye and she's my, she's my baby. Yeah, she's going to be of adult age. She was my, she's my baby. And I just said, I'm so sorry. Benji has died. And she rushed to his body. And she wept. And she said, Dad, there's blood. He's bleeding. I said, yeah, he had a little blood. And it was very quick. And that's true. It was very quick. And my wife came in. And she was beside herself. And in passing, Benji knew for certain my wife would come home because she always did. Our friend's son is home. This is a place we visit. He's home. They know that. <laughs> he now, in glory with the Lord Jesus, knows all the sleepless nights, all their hope and concern for him, all the prayers. He has the full picture on why that was a demon, the, the, the thorn in his side that was not removed. He knows, all complete. Our daughter ran upstairs and, and, and to her room and she cried for about 15 minutes, pretty, pretty loudly. My wife said, will you please pick him up? I belong him on my gardening table. And she took a towel out there. And my wife cleaned up our little dog. She cleaned the blood off of him. And I was worried about our daughter. You know, she's done such a great job in recovery and, and you know, that emotional dysregulation can be really, can come back. So I admit I was concerned. You know what? She was downstairs in 15 minutes ministering to my wife. Making sure mom was okay. And then our differing reactions. My wife cleaning Benji. And my daughter coming out to take imprints of his paws to make for my wife a collage with Benji's collar and his footprints because my daughter knows that we hold so dearly her footprints from when she was born. And from time to time, she still says, will you show those to me? And so she'll make those for Benji, carrying him up the hill where I dug a hole and, and the, the hill on which we chose overlooks our house in the back property. But man, it was full of rocks, like big rocks. So it took longer than I would have hoped. He was, it seemed like 20 pounds lighter 
Well, he never liked being picked up. But his life force was gone. My daughter heard this. When I picked him up, we both heard it. Air came out of his lungs and it sounded like a noise he used to make when he was frustrated. Mm. And I said, did you hear that? She said, yeah, that was his frustrated noise. Yeah. It was. We carried, I carried the little guy up. My wife brought that blanket she'd bought for him and yeah, we buried it. And we said a prayer and then I read from Psalm 23. And the prayer we said began with, thank you, Father God, for the time you granted us with our friend. Thank you for his bark, the annoying sounds of his toenails, which were always so long. My wife broke in and said his tushy swooshies he had were lots of fur back by his rump. And thank you for his gentleness, his loyalty. Thank you for the time with our friend, Lord Jesus. And then the reading of Psalm 23. And then, and this is theologically controversial. I simply said, please accept the, the soul of our little friend. And I know there are people who think animals don't have souls and I don't see an argument for or against it in the Bible. But here's what I see. God wants heaven to be a happy place for us. He wants it to be a new earth. Well, there were animals in the Garden of Eden. We're told the lion will lay with the lamb. And that could be metaphorical. It could also be metaphorical and specific. And he was 20 pounds lighter. There was a life force in him. And in his last moments, when he rolled over in his tummy, for me to scratch his tummy, there was a life force. And that life force, that's not an evolutionary thing. Comfort me. That's, that's not evolution. Comfort me. Seeking the place in the house where he knew my wife would return to. He knew it. And she did. I believe, because I've read so often about people with near-death experiences, or in fact, having died and come back, of seeing dogs in heaven. But I also know this, this I know. Our friend's son also knew that he would see his parents again. So whatever happened to him when life left him and he went into the arms of the Lord Jesus, you know, he had it confirmed. Yep. Yeah. You're with me, but you know what else? He knows mom and dad are going to be there. He knows it. And I know that because it's biblically sound. And I believe with my whole heart that Benji knows my wife will be there one day soon in his eyes. So I know this is a bit 
of an unusual podcast for the day. And I would wrap our podcasts, our, our radio show, in the end of the personal note with Check It Out by John Mellencamp by saying, this is the Todd Herman Show. Go be well, be strong, be kind. And then in the latter years, when we dedicated the show to where it always belonged, which was to the Lord, we would say, and always be right with God. And so it will be today, but without John Mellencamp. We always appreciate you sharing the show with friends. You can do that by hitting the uh, share button on your podcast app. This is the Todd Herman Show. Now, please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be thankful for the time you have this second with the people or animals with whom God has joined you.